You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Tech Fan Podcast 293. I'm Tim Robertson, but as we talked about last week, David Cohen can't be here. He's traveling actually to Florida from the UK. So I've uh, wrangled my occasional co-host, Owen Rubin, to join me today all the way from California, where his house is getting painted. Hi, Owen. Hello, Tim. It's in a total disarray right now. Yeah. Only, only my wife's office is put back together, so that's where I'm sitting right now. Well, you know, sometimes you have to do that. If it's 23 years between <coughs> paintings, it's 23 years. Yeah, 23 years. We go, we're walking around the house going, we should just do the whole thing. But painting a house when it's full of stuff, oh, such, oh man. My office right now, my office, which is covered in plastic with the desks and stuff and pushed into the middle, the rest of it got haphazardly quickly thrown into boxes and moved into the guest bedroom. Nice. So the guest bedroom looks like looks like we just moved in of just all boxes. It's kind and of I a, can't find anything. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but it's also kind of a nice time to when you start putting it back together get rid of stuff that you go, "Why do I have this?" Oh yes. <laughs> you know. That's a, it's I, so in that regard I think it's probably a good thing. Well, that's not only a good thing, that's a requirement. <laughs> it, yes, it really is. My wife looked at that and said, that is all not going back in there. <laughs> you know, I get a lot of uh, stuff that I don't use anymore. Some of it is quite old. And there's some, I got to go in the basement and pull up some old electronics and get rid of it. Like old keyboards and scuzzy cables and crap like that. Remember that little oh. microphone that went on top of your monitor? It was not quite well, a... Yeah, it, I, have a, I have the prototype green one. Do you really? Yes, it's I, it's it's this ugliest green you've ever seen. It was the the very first. It came from the very first batch of like ten. They uh, they were good mics for the time, though. Yeah, but I've Must got like four of them. Well, there's nothing built in, right? There was nothing built in in those days. No, well, because there was no really all in one computer at the time. So what are you gonna you gonna put it in the box with a microphone well, on the, the floor? Well, the the original Macintosh was an all in one. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, you're right. I always forget about that. I don't think that. we put a Mac in the, I'm going to call it the XO. What was it called when the Classic came back? Um, mm, color Classic? No, the, what did we, they had a new name, for, they, had re, they renamed it when the, the original. Oh, the LC? Back, no, not the LC. That was, that, it was an all-in-one. It looked just like the original Classic, but it was, you know, the original Mac, but it was, maybe it was called the Classic. No, I know when you're talking about, and I'm. I'm blanking on the name, yeah, but so internally it was called the XO. So here's a here's a strange little tip, because no one's going to do anything if I tell it now. Uh, built into the ROM of that um, computer, at least unless they updated it, is a bootable ROM. Really? And I think if you turn it off, hold down Command Shift XO and turn it back on, it will boot into into the ROM. Hmm. It boots it boots like in 12 seconds. Wow, that's fast. <laughs> it just goes bing, pop. You that's, can't do a whole lot with it, but it's a great recovery tool, and they told us we couldn't put it in there. We wanted to give it as a recovery tool. But you put it in there anyways. Or you just, and you just... Whoops, forgot to take it out. Yeah, just didn't yeah. And, and tell anyone magic, it was there. That magic uh, Easter egg keyboard testing thing we put in there, that, that got left. Uh-oh. Was it the SE? <laughs> X... No, 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 not okay. So the, there was the Mac 128, there was the Fat Mac, yeah. Then there was the SE, and there was the SE 30, and then the that form factor went away for a long time. 
Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I know exactly. I can see it in my head. And then it came sort of a modernist styling of the little nine-inch screen, black and white screen. Right. And I want to call it the classic because I th- think that's what they called it. It's weird that I can't remember its name, but I can remember its code name inside. <laughs> well, because you worked there. I guess. It's you just... know, I was thinking, I was reading about some different startups on a couple different tech websites the last couple of weeks. Some interesting stuff. You have automated truck driving or automated <laughs> trucks that drive themselves. Um, basically, they scared. Well, yeah, kind of. Oh, wait a minute. It was the classic two. Cla- okay. Yes. So it would the these semis drive themselves to from exit to exit, and then an actual driver gets it at that point to the final destination, okay. because it's it's super simple for the technology now to to map roads and have self driving vehicles on highways, not yep. not city streets. It's much more complex. I've not driven a Tesla on a freeway. I, I said that on purpose. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've seen some videos. It's scary. It was scary the first time. But go ahead. I'm sorry. I was thinking about some of these startups this morning, and they seem some of them seem to make common mistakes. And Silicon Valley isn't the only region that has these startups. In fact, most of these startups aren't even in Silicon Valley. So it's kind of nice that that startup mentality that was so prevalent in Silicon Valley in in San Francisco kind of expanded nationwide here in the U.S. It and has. I, and I mean, overseas. At, there's Boston. I see. I get job requests from L.A. all the time. I get job requests out of <coughs> Boston, some places in Florida. Uh, Chicago turned out to have a whole bunch of tech stuff. A lot. Stuff. There's a lot of tech stuff. And, yeah. and Detroit's also starting to really look promising, which I know a lot of people might be surprised by that. But no, that's, that's kind great. of where Detroit's going when it comes to new jobs and rebuilding that city. You know, Detroit at one point was the richest city in the United States and like the third richest city in the world. I'm not, you're talking about in the heyday of American the 50s, car manufacturing? 50s and 60s, yep. Yeah, wow. I, I'm not surprised. I mean, what, most cars came out of Detroit and then all the businesses that supported them, tires and parts and Parts I mean, is huge. Stuff. Yeah, it was, I remember, I remember going back to Detroit even in the 70s and when I'm, it, with, with Apple I mean, Atari, when we started, and um, going back there and looking at car manufacturers and figuring out there's a way we could put games in cars. <laughs> so Even way back in the 70s, we talked a little bit about that. So, so this tech boom is kind of where it all started, modern times anyways, that's really expanded nationwide and worldwide. I mean, I get, I get PR all the time from companies out of Germany and... Uh, France and you know, these tech startups that are just looking for advertising, you know, without paying for it, of course. Israel is huge. Yeah, they are. The, Israel is huge in the tech community, but a lot of the tech companies in Israel are run by co- uh, people who have dual citizenship. And you, know. you and a lot of the companies in Silicon Valley are actually some Israel. of the Iraqi transplanted Israeli companies. Yep. Yeah. Yep. They have their military uh, technology gets put into. Into gets transferred to consumer technology, and and you'd be surprised if you looked up. I don't know them off the top of my head, but if you looked up some of the technology you use every day, you'd be surprised how much of it came out of the Israeli military. Well, not I wouldn't be surprised simply because that's the way well, the you, American economy grew 
for many years. Defense contractors <laughs> would adapt technologies for the defense and for NASA into commercial use. And, I mean, microwaves, Velcro. I mean, there's just all kinds of things. Entire industry sprung up. But, unfortunately, our government really doesn't do that too much anymore with our military contractors. And those contractors are locked into contracts that prevent them from doing just that. In copyright, and just, it's horrible. My father was um, was a uh, officer on ground artillery when he was in the army, um, and he taught. You know, he ran these teams that ran anti aircraft weapons, for example, with radar. And he said they remember that some of the guys used to cook and warm food by holding it out in front of the radar dish. <laughs> okay, That's so a they powerful knew. radar. Well, they, they, I think he said someone melted a chocolate bar in their pocket once, and they, they sort of caught on that, wow, this thing can cook stuff, right? Uh, not that they thought that they're actually burning their hand up, sticking it out in front of the <laughs> the radar at the same time. And I wonder how many birds we cook mm. daily with radar systems in the U.S. That, Probably quite a bit. Yeah, it's but that's I mean that's there's a military at application of something that was probably found by accident. You know the good part about frying those birds with the radar though, don't you? <laughs> You're going to tell me. Yeah, tastes like tastes like chicken. Tastes like chicken. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, I was I, I was thinking about this this morning and thinking about oh, Owen's coming back on the show, and I don't like oh. to assume that people that are listening to this episode have listened to every episode and then going way back to the MyMac days. I know there are people who found Tech Fan because they heard me on OWC right. Radio or MyMac or Mac. the geekiest show ever, whatever it is. I need to do that one again, by the way. Which one? I haven't geeked out for a while. The geekiest show ever? Yeah. Well, I don't do that show. I mean, I own it, I know. but I don't do it. I know you don't do that. I, I just need to do that show again. I got to get. I got to invite myself on that show. Oh, we David and I do it here. I don't know if you look. You, obviously, you didn't listen to the last episode. Last episode was all uh, okay. about. So, so I have to admit, uh, I don't have an iPhone anymore. So I have an iPod Touch that I carry because there are just things about an iOS device that I still miss. And uh, I went to listen to podcasts two weeks ago, and none of them downloaded. And I was like, "What happened?" I look, it's completely full. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. I, how that you know, is. I have to go. Th- so I'm a, I'm a couple weeks behind. I have to admit. I'm sorry to say. So I usually listen to most of them, but I haven't heard the last two weeks of any of the the uh, spotlight. Uh, well, last week I we David and I spent forty minutes or so on the DC extended movie universe. Ah. And we're going to do a Marvel one here soon as well. And so maybe we'll have you on that one. That'd be a fun. Colliding. one. No, not yet. I wish that'd be cool if Marvel just simply, or if Disney just simply purchased all the DC assets from Warner Brothers. And but Boy, maybe but didn't not. Supergirl and Arrow get together on an episode? Aren't they trying to collide those worlds? Yeah, but that's all DC stuff. Wait, but, they, they put together Supergirl, Arrow. Okay, I'm going to geek here for a second. Yep, the um, Flash, the Flash, and uh, and the Legends, Legends of Tomorrow. Those are all DC? Yeah. I thought one of those was Marvel. No. No? Disney okay. would never go for that. Why would they? I mean, they're having massive success critically. I think and I geek out on that every week. I think it's a it's so cool that they tie those universes together. I, I, I watched the latest episode of Flash this morning. I think it's on my DVR. I haven't watched it yet. Gorilla Grog? 
my wife looks at me like, why are you watching this? Oh, crap? they're so it's good. Not, it's not crap. It's actually, you know, they get a little, they get a little nuts. They get a little campy too. Sometimes I, 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 campy, I fall. But I like it. I like it. I end up watching Supergirl pretty much the whole season all at once, except for the crossover episodes, because it's. I think Supergirl is the most boring one. I don't care about the supporting cast at all. It is boring. She's damn cute, but it is boring. Yeah, <laughs> she she should just be a supporting character on Arrow or Flash or something. Yeah. But anyways, I digress. I was thinking about these <laughs> startups and the lineage going back. And then I thought, oh, Owen's going to be on the show. Well, you know, Owen, Owen was on, it was in arguably the two most famous Silicon Valley startups of all time, discounting going back to the 30s and HP, um, (laughs) Apple and Atari. And he was there at both those companies in the early days, although you weren't there when Steve Jobs was there at Apple. I I missed him on both ends. Yeah. I, I saw him. He would... So I was at Atari. I was like the fourth programmer. So I was – Atari started earlier and did just hardware games, so no processors. Uh, I was studying at UC Berkeley what's called embedded embedded systems. So that was hardware and software put together in, in uh, tiny machines. And they needed somebody to do that. And uh, I joined Atari as the fourth programmer and basically was a game programmer. I joined Apple around the Mac 2 time. So Apple had, you know, it was it was kind of swinging up, but that was just about the time Jobs had left. Right. So Scully had just come in, and that's when I joined. But he he was around the halls occasionally, and I left, you know, before he came back. Yeah, he came back in '97. In hindsight, I wish I'd stayed a little longer, but uh, well, except that he was he and Waz would would appear occasionally when we. I remember we were working. I can talk about this stuff because it's well past. Uh, confidentiality. We were working on. Um, I was in the Apple II group at the time, and we had built an Apple II GS machine based on an Acorn processor. Hmm. So uh, we were like, "Oh, look, we can put this RISC processor in here. We can get it to emulate a 65816-6502 part." And it was blindingly fast. It was scary fast. And uh, the Mac team was working on the 2FX at the time when we did that and Wozniak came in and Jean-Louis Gasset walked in and we were like so proud to show this thing off and they turn it on and it's like this thing screamed for the days and uh, both of them looked at each other and said kill it really and we were like what <laughs> and then they started to walk out and, we, and like the five or six of us that were like really into this I was you know I was a sub player on doing a little software but um, they were really into this following Jean-Louis Gasset out and we go how come how come he goes he goes I can't have an Apple II beat an F, uh, beat a Macintosh that's true I just can't do it he says that's it, it can't happen and uh, even Wozniak thought it was a cool idea he was really blown away by this and it was emulated we figured if we had, had time to recompile stuff reassemble then it would run natively and be even faster even faster yeah yeah, and that was the, the plan was that we would em- run the emulator like they did on the Mac change of uh, of processors. We would we would slowly but surely convert stuff to native, and every time we would do that, we would get faster and faster, but leave the emulator there so all the software applications could still run. We did that way before Mac needed to do it. So 
Sorry, having I digress. been <laughs> at these two companies when they were still relatively young and small, and you were at the original Atari, Atari before it. I, I don't know what the hell Atari is now, but it's it's not Atari. A couple couple of lawyers sitting in a room suing people. Yeah, pretty much. Um, <clears throat> do you think you learned anything while you were at those companies, and they were? I mean, I mean, Apple was established at that point, and but still, it, compared to today, it was nothing. Um, advice that you would, given the opportunity, give these younger companies that may still be relevant today, because yeah. obviously, business practices are business practices. Good business yeah. practices kind of transcend time. So Google kind of got it, and I don't, I not being close to Google anymore. I don't know if they still do it. Google has this thing called other when you're in your job, and it used to be that you spent eighty percent of your time working on what your job was, and twenty percent of your time. And I may have those percentages wrong now. Um, but I think that was eighty twenty. It might have been ninety ten. But they, to go work on something else, go play, and a lot of Google products that you use today came out of other. And we did that at Apple. It wasn't official the same way Google did it. And Atari definitely did that, like this Acorn machine. Um, it's really good to let your, the engineers go off and play a little bit and, and create stuff that may not look like it's exactly what you think your core business is because you'll get some really cool innovations. Take the handcuffs off. Take the handcuffs off, at least for part of the time. Um, <clears throat> I mean, if, seriously, if if you if you Google if you Google other Google other, I think you can find stuff on that. That's kind of hard to say. Um, you might read about there might be published somewhere a list of projects that like Google Earth. I think uh, I know they bought that, but it, its creation was part of other, and some other stuff came out of other. And so both Atari and Apple, we were allowed to sort of spend a little of our time. I'm going to say screwing around. Yeah. Okay, so that's one side of it. The other side is that a company needs someone who's not going to be very popular in the company. We had we had a guy, we, the guy was named Gene Lipkin. I can mention his name at at Atari, who knows the industry and knows the products well enough that he can come in and go stop doing that. Yeah. We hated this guy at Atari, but he was you know. In fact, we used to laugh. We used to have a switch we put underneath the, the workbench that when we heard when Gene was coming down into your lab, we'd flip the switch and it would crash the hardware because we didn't want to show him the game for fear that he might kill it. And do you so think he was right most of the time, though? He was. He, as much as I hated to think about it, he was right most of the time. Yeah. And, and Jean-Louis Gasset, in the days I was at Apple would look at stuff and say, S just stop doing this. It's done. It, like this acorn thing. You can't do that. And the problem with engineers in general, being one, is that what we necessarily think is very cool, maybe very cool from a tech point of view, but not from a business point of view. Well, it's gonna, that's kind of what I was thinking as well when you started saying that, that engineers think of solutions to problems or cool new gadgets that doesn't solve any problem. It's just freaking cool. It's just cool. But there's yeah. no business model for it. And, and or it hasn't been a, thought out yet. Right. But that's where good businessmen, like someone like a Steve Jobs um, or a Bushnell, 
will look at even a proof of concept and see the diamond in the rough. Yep. yep. And I, I don't know how you can foster that type of leadership in a startup. I, I think it either has it inherently. You have to find the guy. You have to find someone. Yeah. And that's not I easy mean, I, to do. I, I worked, when I worked for Paul Allen at Interval, that was sort of Interval's model. Interval Research was Paul Allen, co-founder of Microsoft. He, all these research companies, Xerox Park and IBM Research and all these companies that have what they call pure research. I mean, Apple had um, ATG, Advanced Technology Group. Unfortunately, they're not pure research because eventually they have to come back to whatever it is the company does. You know, IBM has to be computing. ATG had to be something to do with computers. Uh, uh, Xerox Park with imaging. He did a pure research company. Just go research whatever you want. And I was actually hired into Interval for two reasons. One, I had huge background in con in um, broadband. I had built and deployed a system with other guys, but my teams had built this stuff. Um, and he had just bought a cable company, but he it was a it was a building full of PhD doctorates who saw these grandiose ideas but didn't have a clue what a product was. Yeah. And Al Alcorn was there, and he was there for the same reason: help these guys understand what a product was, and how. how and so I have a business development background as well as a tech background. So I could look at it and go, that's really awesome. Here's this giant ball of a project you have. Okay, this little tennis ball size thing is where we start because that's a product. And to try to wrangle these guys into something that was actually buildable. I can't say that I have the same thing that Gene or Steve had because those guys are just geniuses when it comes to it. But you have to be able to find the, the product in the coolness. It's and on my resume. It says um, – because of my business development background, I can help lead an engineering team to design something that has business purpose and is not just a cool technology. That's a nice skill to have. Yeah, I, I think I have it. I, I think I've done okay. I can't. I've been in a lot of startups. I like startups for that reason. And there are times, I, I joined. I took over a security company, and I basically made them stop doing what they were doing and change it. Sadly, it was a bigger project than we thought. And. Uh, when I left, the new guy they brought in went, no, let's go back to the old thing, and uh, which it was just really disappointing because the newer technology was expendable and, and adaptable, and the old one was not, and they just didn't give it time to get done. That's the other thing you have to learn. It takes time. And unfortunately, in business, sometimes you just don't have that time because yep. you, you have to have revenue. So focus is important. Yeah. Right? So a lot of startups get seed money. You have to you have to keep your eye on what you're trying to do because that's the way you're going to make money. Blue sky in the background, but make sure your your teams are still focused. You know, it's so that's the balance. You got to be able to blue sky, but you need a full laser focus on what it is you're trying to get out that you can. What's that widget that's going to make you money to let you go to the next step? Mm -hmm. um, it's 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 a balancing act, and that's. There's nothing engineers can do about that, but that's exactly why you need managers that could lead the team, inspire people, and keep the money people at bay and, and patient yep. while the next G-Wiz is developed or the first G-Wiz because some of these startups, you know, if it's a great product, you're probably two years away from release. Yeah, it it always takes longer than you think. Yeah, that's that, that. You know, 
we are an optimistic bunch of group engineers are. But um, do you code at all? Mm-mm. No. Okay. No. So people who code will know this that that they look and go, oh, I can knock that out in a week, and then three weeks later they're going, well, you know, I had to do this and I had to do it. It it it, it it's always overwhelming. Uh, that's a skill in a, in a software engineer. I know a few of them that can look at it and actually get close to saying how long it will take. Most of us, and I put myself in there, are overly optimistic on how long something takes. The only, the closest I've come to coding is uh, used to build from the ground up FileMaker solutions, with relational database. HyperCard? <clears throat> no, just relational databases. And, no, no. And, Did you do HyperCard as well? No. it th- That was tapering out when I got into the Mac in 95. Okay. It's back again, though, with something else. There's a product. Yeah. But it's, it, it, it's already antiquated. games on it. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, the, I, I don't know if you'd call it coding, more developing, but websites and solutions online. It's, you know, it has the basis of coding. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not like writing an object-oriented program. No. In today's, in today's languages, but there, it still has, you still have to understand the logic. So I would say it's, right. And there know, were times that I would, like I took a job. Uh, the school district wanted to, well, they weren't a district. They actually worked for school districts. They wanted to scan in. You remember those old test scanners that you are the tests that you would have to fill in with a number two pencil? Oh, yes. <laughs> so <clears throat> that was called a Scantron sheet. So they would feed this into the Scantron sheet and you would get the results uh, in a, in a, just a, a database basically, but it wasn't a database. It was just an output, right? Okay. A text output. So what they wanted to do was they wanted to bring that into a database and translate the binary code into uh, uh, actual yeah. text. And so my job was to write that program. That cool. And well, I, I I had to bring somebody else in for the translation part. Uh, and, there's, and he, there's the last key, by yes, the way. Yes, yes. You got to know your limitations. And my limitations was I didn't I couldn't figure out how we were going to translate that raw data into an actual database. And the trick was not to look at the raw data, but to look at the actual scan sheet, map the scan sheet, and just use if then that sort of thing. Or so if the dots so here, equivalent of table lookup. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So and, if and it's it, here, yeah. then it's this. If it's here, then it's that. So it. I told them it was probably going to take six weeks, and it took. <laughs> considerably longer but we would Time. show them progress almost on a daily basis so they understood the complexity but nobody was doing what we were doing it just it nobody was doing it so yeah it when we were done with it it was already out of date it really was but they used it for a few years and they wanted me to come back and at that point i, I wasn't interested so that's okay. about the closest i've come okay so because people think time travel is not real but Anybody who's an engineer or programmer knows it happens all the time. I, you, you swear that that clock moves faster when you sit down at that computer and oh, start it does. programming. I, I have, I mean, I know I've done. I've sat down. Oh, it's eight in the morning. I can get this out by this afternoon. Oh, it's two in the morning. What happened? <laughs> I'm still working on it. Well, video it's people who, who get into it's not just that though. I mean, it, it, you can lose yourself in things all the time. Podcasting, for instance, we started at eleven o'clock in the morning East Coast time. It's already eleven thirty. It doesn't feel like yeah. we've been talking for almost a half hour here. No, no, I did. Yeah, you laser. You know, when you when you get focused into something, I know it happens. Whatever you work on, I work, used to work, you know, on engines and cars, 
when I was in graduated high school and in college, I, we built race cars, quarter mile race cars. And my parents would like be freaked because I'd come home at 11 o'clock at night because we would just be in the little garage that we rented beating on these cars all day long and time would just go away. The The best story I tell about that, and, and I got to tell you this one real quick. So when I was at UC Berkeley, I was a computer engineering and electrical engineering combined major. <clears throat> and it, at Berkeley, you could get extra credit by taking these things, these courses. They were called 199 courses. And you'd get with a professor who wanted something developed. And you would discuss it out. And then during that quarter, you would build it, you know, in your, quote, spare time and turn it in and get extra credit. So I had taken on this 199 course and I... And like every good programmer, I kept putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. So it was getting late. So I hand I handed this little tape recorder I had to one of my buddies and said, "Would you record these two lectures for me today?" It was a Tuesday afternoon. I said, "I really need to go work on this." Um, and I buried myself in the lab, which was in the middle of a building with no windows. Okay, that that you know it's in the set in the core area of a building. And I started to work on it, and I had like four terminals pulled around me, and I was I was scribbling on on there were chalkboards in that day. I'm sorry to admit, um, and I was just going like crazy. And uh, people would come in occasionally, and someone hand me a donut or something to eat, and I was just work, 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 work. And I find like, oh my god, I fixed it. I actually finished it in this one session. <laughs> so. Uh, I was just, I was so into this. I was just like, so I go outside and it's morning. It's like, oh man, I, I, I must have worked all night. And you know, and I've got a little bit of a beard and I walk over to where my car was parked and it's got four parking tickets on it. <coughs> it was Friday morning. Wow. And I just, I ended up blasting through this thing. I mean, from Tuesday afternoon to Friday morning. I mean, I remember going, my parents were totally like, out of their minds because this was before cell phones right, right. So call like because I lived at home at the time where have you been for three days they were like they had called the police like thinking I was missing um, and I remember going to sleep and not waking up until like Tuesday morning but it was like I slept off and on for the whole weekend and part of Monday but that's what I mean by time, getting losing time that, I, I think of that as the ultimate of oh my god I can't believe I worked you know 72 plus hours you can't do that at our age. Oh, no, that would kill me. <laughs> You'd kill me, too. And you're what, 20 years older? I am 62. Uh, well, I'm 47, so 15. So I've done it. I've done, I've done overnighters where I've, um, there's a game on the iTunes store. This uh, thing, It was called Panzer Tank or something like that. And the guy lost his programmers, and he called me up and said, I really need your help. Can we help me get this moved along? And I just took it on to help him and I think my wife got totally annoyed by that because I was, you know, sitting in my office until three or four in the morning working on it just because I get so engrossed. Um, so engrossed. Um I need to deal with the painters real quick. Can we take a break? We are. We'll be right back and uh we'll uh pick up where we left off. Amazon, Google, Apple, Android, iOS, Alexa, Siri, technology, sci-fi, video games. Tablets, computers, flash drives, toys, weather, and general silliness. Geekiest show ever. Every week on the MyMac Podcasting Network. Back here on episode 293 of the Tech Fan Podcast, I'm Tim Roberts, and he is 
Owen Rubin, longtime MyMac writer. I'm sure that's what people will remember about you long after you're gone. The stuff at MyMac, not Apple or Atari or inventing <laughs> DVR boxes. or It'll be the I, MyMac I, stuff. I'm amazed at how many people that I'll talk to on Facebook, oh, I saw you on my Mac or I heard you on the podcast. And, uh, I didn't even know they listened to the podcast. And, uh, the guy who, um, the, the young kid and his dad who bought all my old prototype Macintoshes. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he's listening a shout out to him. If he's there, Alex, um, he had, he has like one of the, he had one of the coolest collections. I think he's, they've done a deal with a museum nearby them to actually create an Apple museum. So, uh, this old stuff. It was very cool. I think he still has a bunch of my prototypes, though. I've talked to, uh, you know, because I'm still into arcade stuff, video game stuff. But talking a lot about the Retro Pie here on this episode, I bought a uh, a little NES thing that I talked to David about. <clears throat> I think I talked about it on the show, but it, it's, it's a tiny little Nintendo Entertainment System case that you put your, your Raspberry Pi in. I saw that. <laughs> it's cool. It's really it cool. cool. And, and it comes with controllers? No, it's just the it's a little 3D printed case, but really well done. I saw one that looked like that that you put your your Raspberry Pi in or the equivalent, but it had controllers with it. Oh, it had the old Nintendo style controllers. Well, you can you can still buy those that are USB. Oh, okay. I've got one, but mine's really old that was designed for a computer, and for whatever reason, my Raspberry Pi will not recognize that as a controller. So I use an Xbox 360 or Xbox One controller. Both of those work fine, the corded ones. Uh, although I, my understanding is you can use like a PS3 controller because uh, it's Bluetooth, but I just never have. It's I don't know. I'm always worried about lag when it comes to the old old retro games. And huh. so, but I so obviously I'm into that stuff. Um, somebody asked me one of my uh, customers the other day what my dream job was, and I said honestly it would be opening up something like a barcade going into business with a partner, he would run the bar slash restaurant side and I would run the arcade side. You They're know, coming back. They are. We have one in Jack London Square here in Oakland uh, called Plank, I yep. think, P-L-A-N-K. And um, it's so retro. It's so they built, they took an old Barnes & Noble bookstore. So you know the size we're talking about. Yep. Huge building. It sat empty for a while. And they put a restaurant and bar sort of in the middle. And on one side, they have bowling alleys. They mm -hmm. have a bunch of bowling alleys, which have been modernized. And they, I don't know how people bowl. They have huge, big monitors on the wall and projections. And, and then on the other side, they have a combination of arcade games and what I'll call, uh, you know. The Redemption? County, county, Redemption, County Fair games. You know, yeah, that's the Redemption games. Stuff like, yeah. yeah, what do you call them? Redemption. Redemption games. And. The, and then, like outside, there's bocce ball and horseshoes, and and I thought, is this really going to work? The, you can't get into the place; it's always packed. Yeah, uh, it just amazes me, and it's full of old video games. Well, someone asked kind of me, yeah, but you know, sourcing all those old arcade games and keeping them running, difficult. That's going to be difficult, and they're right. And so that was one of my yeah, because it's what what are your fixed costs on the arcade side? It's, I, I have no idea. I have to find the machine. You're not going to find brand new ones, so you're going to have to repair them. You can't have smelly old arcade cabinet that you know is half water damaged in there, and people are going to actually play. Well, but there then, are guys who, who rebuild, who make new cabinets. Yeah, yeah, I know that. But 
I also kind of wanted uniformity, so I, I came up with a concept. Of course, I'm giving my stuff away right here on TechFan, so anybody can do exactly what I'm saying and make <laughs> all the money. And But anyways, my idea was I'd have like 40 cabinets built, all exactly the same, exactly the same specifications, probably something, a combination of uh, like a Pac-Man slash uh, Nintendo cab. Right. Okay. And they would all look the same. They'd be in various different colors. They're going to be side by side. So you don't really need side art except for maybe on a couple of them at the end of the row. But then the marquees, the lighted marquee would be the classic arcade games. And I can have those made up relatively cheaply. You actually can probably buy them. A lot of them are available still. People, people do aftermarket marquees all the time, but you have to have, yes, well, I, I actually know a guy who's made some ar- marquees Although for you me. want them all the same size, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But I've, I've got a guy who, you know my uh, Neo Geo cabinet? Right. Right now it says Burger Time up there. Well, I've got a guy who will just We're send me... Now. <laughs> <laughs> he'll send me whatever I want. I say, hey, I want a Burger Time one at, at this size, and he'll send it to me. Oh, very cool. And I cool. just sandwich it between two pl- pieces of Plexi, and it looks great. He does an excellent job. So, and I think each one cost me like 30 bucks. I mean, not bad. Oh, just, that's nothing. And it's brand new. It's not scratched up. It's not glass. So I don't have to worry about that. Uh, and it's not, you know, unique. It's, it's not a game that I, if it gets ruined, so what? I'll just have another one printed. Right. Okay. So, you, so, so you want, how, how, you have a bunch of cabinets that are all the same and they're going to have an emulator inside. Well, that's where it gets a little tricky. How do you, so you put an LCD in there, and you could, if you make the cabs right, you can either have a horizontal or a vertical monitor in there, and all the monitors right. would be the same. Right. Then you just run a power supply to each one. So that's that's easy. That's nothing. Yep. So what is the games on? Well, you could do a couple different things. You could have one that, you know, my 60-in-1 board? Yep. You buy a bunch of those. So can, you, you, so you, can you set those to power up always to the same game? Yes, you can. That's okay. that's what the boards were designed for originally. That if you had, if you're a, a distri- or a, what do you call it, a, um, operator, operator, and you had a Donkey Kong machine that died because the uh, board went bad, you just buy this board, have it boot into <laughs> Donkey Kong every time, and there's your Donkey Kong. It takes coins and everything, and the emulation is good enough on those boards that you know the casual player is not going to notice that something might be a little bit off. Well, they're running the original software, so it's. Well, it's a ROM dump. It's it's a ROM dump. So they're running the original <laughs> software on a thing that emulates the hardware. So you might get a slight difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, you're right. It's I, I I have a Dig Dug machine that I'm giving to someone who gave me a, a small arcade cabinet in exchange for you know building. I'm still way behind on that. My buttons and my harness are all sitting in inside the cabinet, and uh, I think it has four computers inside that cabinet now because I'm trying to find the right one. Uh, to do what I want to do, but the same idea. Yeah. So, okay, now I have the monitors and the cabinets, the power source. So do I go with a 60-in-1 board? I think you do with for some of them. And there's different 60-in-1 yeah. boards. There's like a William 60-in-1 board, so you'll, yeah. you'll get Defender, D- Defender, Robotron, that kind of thing. Um, so that's relatively inexpensive, about 100 bucks a board. The more expensive ones you probably don't need anyways. Well, not if you're going to dedicate it to a to a game, game. exactly, right. or or a group of games, anyway. right? And so, 
And and even then, if you want to switch a game, like you've got Donkey Kong, and you know what, next week we're going to make that a Donkey Kong Jr., you just switch out the marquee, boot to the other one, it's Donkey Kong Jr., <laughs> right? Um, and then you could also do something a little kind of cool. You can have like a RetroPie running on one of them with a standard video game controller, corded, going wow. right into the cabinet. So you could sit there and play Super Mario World. The buttons and the joysticks don't, those are dirt cheap, right? Well, but that's the part you want to spend some money on. You want to, you want to, when you're going to do this for an arcade. But even the good ones don't cost a lot of money, Owen. What what we learned at Atari, though, is that there are consumer things that are designed to consumer spec, something you use in your home. There are things designed to military spec, something that's got to survive in a harsh environment. And then above that is arcade spec. Because yeah. it's really amazing what people will do inside an arcade. But an arcade uh, spec joystick, instead of the $15 home one, it's $45 for the... Yeah, you can still get them, but you want your control panels sturdy as can be. Yeah. Uh, we were always amazed that uh, we saw a kid turn a driving game over on himself because he tried to hoist himself up on the steering wheel. Oh, yeah. I'm not surprised a bit. Okay. I mean, so so the steering wheel of a, of a sprint game has to be able to support... 200 pounds, you know, at least in the military, if the joystick seems to stop working, they go call somebody. They don't pull on it harder. In in an arcade, if it seems to stop working, they keep pulling or pushing. They yank it. Or yank it. I mean, it's just amazing. Or hit it with a beer bottle. So by my (laughs) calculations, each arcade machine with the plywood, with the print, with everything. 500 bucks? No, it's probably closer to 450 Okay, and so, I, I know five hundred and four fifty sounds pretty close, but not when you're making forty of them. It's not. No, no, I get that. So, so what makes me smile about that is after I left Atari, I joined uh, a company called Sente, mm-hmm. which is Nolan Bushnell's second attempt at video game company, named uh, after uh, the uh, same board game that he got the Atari name from. Exactly. For those who don't play Go, Atari is sort of synonymous to check, and Sente is sort of synonymous to checkmate, but not exactly. But it's the it's the move that it's the equivalent. Atari. It's the move that beats Atari. Okay, if I understand it correctly, and someone please write in and correct me on that. But um, their idea was to do something very similar to that: is that the hardware was standardized and the games were put on cartridges, and um, the plexes were so it was a big, sturdy. I don't know if you remember the original. I do. SAC one, they were these incredibly refrigerator tough cabinets. Um, they're big and sturdy, and the operators would get a control panel, a marquee plex, and a ROM cartridge. Yeah, basically what the Neo Geo became. Yeah, so you could go. So the goal was the the, the idea was that the operator simply to change a game in a location instead of you know picking up the game and moving it, they would go out there and put a new plex in, put the the, the control panels had uh, quick releases so you could pull them out disconnect the cable put the new one in slap it in lock it back in place you could do it in about 30 seconds right the, the the plex took about a minute to take the top off and slide the new one in and out and the cartridge was literally pulling out a big cartridge and pushing in the new one turn it on bang it's a new game so remember we were talking earlier about what seems like a very cool idea yep that was an engineering idea and no one loved the idea that you don't move games well no one actually asked an operator, okay, what do they do when they run arcades? And and in the days we were doing this, remember games were in 7-Elevens and they were sure. 
they were everywhere. The games were all over the place, not just arcades. Um, they hire some guy who's not the brightest bulb, um, who get truck move game. Okay, so we discovered when we started talking to operators that they were still picking up these gigantic cabinets, putting them on the back of a truck, and swapping them in locations. Yep, because they didn't have to teach a guy how to disassemble and reassemble this, and it wasn't difficult, but. These guys knew how to use a hand truck and move a game. And so they even though we did that to make it easier, they never did it. They would buy they would buy five different sack cabinets configured with five different games, and then when they wanted to change the game, they would hire some lug that you know, big guy with truck to go pick it up and move it. <laughs> but, so I mean, even in those days, no one liked your idea, right? That you standardize the hardware and you can make it a quick change to change the game, but but the problem that, that was a problem. But the other problem was that uh, the Chinese got into this is what happened to Neo Geo. This is kind of why they failed. Was that the Chinese would start bootlegging these games? Yeah, and oh, offer them bootlegging the the uh, the ROMs, the games, Atari games. Yeah, Atari games were bootlegged all the time. Yep. So how was the original creator of these cabinets? whose real business model is you buy new games from us, all right. of a sudden they're not buying games from you because you're charging too much because I can get it over here for a lot cheaper. Even though it's the same game, it's cheaper. How is that? What's well, because it's a bootleg? We put we had software in our games to look for the the name like the name Atari on the screen. I don't know if you remember there's a there's a Tempest bug uh that, that it sort of became history at the time people knew about it that if you let the game end with a certain digit at the last end of the at the end of the score, and I don't remember what it was. Like say the last digit was three, and then you died. You would get you'd get sixty seventy credits. <laughs> and what it was is we were trying to stop bootlegging. Right. So I helped I helped write a lot of this. We would actually execute the name Atari in the processor we were using at the time. Space AT that part of the name was a JSR command. So you would literally execute the screen. Hmm. And it would, so you would say, uh, put 50 credits in JSR the screen. That would go to a routine that would clear those, you know, take those 50 credits back out before anything happened and return. So if you removed the the Atari name, it wouldn't find it there, and the credits would add. Or, or in my case, I set decimal mode in a processor and then returned and jumped, and it cleared decimal mode. So uh, for it for people who don't speak computers, but I guess most people here probably get it. In the binary system, which is hex, hex is binary representation done easier. Uh, you count zero through F, and then you start over again. In decimal mode, you count zero through nine and start over again. Right. Well, imagine if you set decimal mode, but your program thinks it's running in binary. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, things would just bounce all over the screen, and the colors would go nuts. And we did that to stop people from bootlegging the games. Hmm. That was, and we weren't allowed to document it. Well, because uh, if you did, I mean, it kind of defeat the might, purpose. Someone might leak it. Yeah, um, you don't you don't so, let people know about the back door. It, so it bit us a couple of times when we had to change games. And what happened in the uh, Tempest problem was uh, like a week before it went out. Dave Toyer, who was the programmer on that, didn't like the position of the name Atari, and he moved it over a little bit. And he had forgotten that we put all that code in there. So. The actual actual original Atari Tempest thinks it's a bootleg in the software. <laughs> <Kind of laughs> so it occasionally problem. will throw all these credits in. Luckily, it only happens once in a while. But 
Now, if you're like Owen and I, you probably like to work on your own hardware occasionally. I know I do. Don't you, Owen? You like working on your own hardware. Absolutely. Well, you got to have the right tools. So our sponsor, MaxSales.com, sells the newer tech 14-piece tool set. Um, I've got one of these tool sets. I've had it for a long time. I actually got a new I got it. Honestly, I, I do need a new one. Somebody's done kind of got you. It's got the little scissor thing that clips. What do you call that? The, uh, I don't know what you're you talking about. The, the angle cutters? No, it's, um. Wait, I'm going to go look it up. Wait, I've got it. Right? I've got What's it up it here. Scissor clamp. So my scissor clamp. Someone's appropriated my scissor clamp for other purposes and I have no idea where it's at. And, uh, and my, my splue, spludge, uh, what do you, they call it a straight blade, but it's, <laughs> I need, no, looking, my, my, uh, just look for newer tech. That's one word, 14 piece, and then it'll come up portable tool kit. Um, they've got them right now on a garage sale at maxsales.com for twelve seventy five. It comes with a oh, safe. Yeah. This is a only great one. Only one left. Ah, yeah, there'll be more. Maybe, and they make maybe them. I'll buy it. <laughs> yeah, these are a really good tool set. They, uh, this is what I use. I've actually I've had a couple of these over time because I don't care how great a tool is, you're going to lose pieces. And I've lost pieces, and I order a new one, and then I've got like, wow, how the heck did I ever get four T five torque rent or screwdrivers? <laughs> That's how because they reappear. <laughs> yeah, they re you lose them, you buy a new kit, and then it reappears. That's <laughs> that's exactly how it happens. So we want to thank MaxSales.com, and we want to encourage our listeners if you like working on your own hardware, and you kind of got to for older machines, you got to have toolkit. This is a good toolkit to have, this especially one, if you're Mac user. Good, actually. It's a good. So it's there's one new in an open box. That one's twelve seventy five, and then there's plenty left at fourteen ninety nine for brand new closed box. You know, new box. Yeah, brand new. That's, so that's what I'm just looking at. But this is kind of cool. I they look like forceps. The things you're talking about. They kind of are like forceps, exactly. Yeah. And I tell you what, those things have come in so handy when you're trying to hold two wires together and then oh, yeah. put a little piece of shrink wrap on there. You, I. I don't know about you. I don't have a third hand. Yeah, I've I have tried. I may I may buy this kit because I don't have one of those. I bought a couple little things that sit on the desk with clamps on them, and uh, I haven't found a good one yet. I need one that clamps to the desk because the little cheap ones, when you put something too heavy, they fall over. Right. <laughs> this doesn't help you at all. No, it doesn't. But this, and then what are the little green pieces? Are they like um, oh, they're case openers? Case openers, or yeah, pretty much anything that you got to kind of pry apart. That's metal or glass and you don't want to break it like an iphone screen that's what yep. you would use that for i used something like that to open to replace the battery in my phone exactly this would have been a good solution those don't last forever i mean it's just nylon so it's going right. to get tore up and i think is, i bought two new cases simply because those uh wore out on me yeah so nine nine torque screwdrivers of tweezers two plastic openers uh Forcep, and I can't tell what the thing on the left is. Um, the far left. Is that? Oh, that's the thing oh. you called spoogers, right? Uh, no, it's a, it's just a black nylon, probe. like a little okay. stick, like a probe. Very cool. That's cool. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna buy one of these while we're and, and the nylon one is cool because if you are moving something that has a charge on it, and you don't want to <laughs> ground it, that's a good way of doing it. Oh, none of us ever do that. None of us ever do <laughs> that. I've got a kitchen light. That it's it's got two power cables running up to it, because one was for the light and one was for the fan. Right. 
So I replaced, I, 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 we need to replace the light. I forget. I think the fan stopped working. You turn it on and it just went, mm. I say, okay, the motor shot. So I replaced the whole fan, new lights. Um, but I decided to go back to the pull chain system to turn the fan on and off. So I combined the two power cables into one at the switch, right? So if you turn on the switch, it's powering both the fan and the Got lights. It. Got it. Okay. For whatever reason, I, the the fan's not working right. I don't know what it is. But you got to remember, again, this house it was built in the, the 1800s. Switch, it depends on how the switch was hooked up, but we, we'll go into that differently, whether or not whether or not it was supplying load or ground. But, yeah. Well, no, it worked for a little while, and then it stopped. Oh. So Maybe either, a little twisty thing fell off. It could be. It's I've such a pain in the, the butt. Ones. It's such a pain in the butt. And this house, like I said, was built in the 1800s, so it's... To do anything in this house, it, well, you're, we're not far off. I was, this the core of my house is 1926. Yeah, uh, I remember we 1890. Hired 1890. We hired an electrician was. to look at the house when we first uh, we first bought it. We said, "Well, can you look over the electric, you know, the wiring, and tell us how bad it is?" And uh, the guy, dis- we were sitting with the owners and the real estate agents upstairs, and the guy disappears under the house, and we hear him like, "Jesus, oh my God!" <laughs> You just cringe and go, sorry. <laughs> and then the owners are like, oh. I said, I said, I haven't crawled under a house for a while either. And he comes back up and goes, we'll be redoing all that. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. <laughs> it was like, not, what do they call it? Knob and. Oh, you know? yeah. I know what you There's mean. There's a name for that where the wire runs around these little ceramic. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to remember uh, what that's called. Knob and something and knob, I think. I've got I some of the knobs still on my, in my, uh, on the roof of my basement. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I that's, do. That's we found things and oh, I I know the I know the pain, right? So every once in a while, something just stops working. So uh, he showed me this cool trick that older houses did. That you, so you know when you have a plug in the wall, there are screws on both sides for the power, the lines. Yep. So old houses used to take the power line into one side of the plug, and then a new line out out the next plug right into the wall. So that if you took that plug out, the rest of the wall would go off. Right. It would what be, happens is it that w- relies yeah. on the plug itself to ca- pass the power down the down the line. Right. So you didn't know if it was the is it the wire that went bad or is but it yeah? It's usually the plug. So yep. what he made me do, and he showed me how to do one. We take the plug off, and you twist tie the two wires together, the white and the black, to each other. Right. So that so that the wall is lit up, and then you take a smaller wire and go from that. So you have three wires there. And you put one to the plug. Oh, so you're so just if the bridging. Plug fails, it doesn't kill the rest of the wall. Right. Why so had to do that in this whole house? Because we'd find plugs that didn't work, and it was because the outlet failed. Right. And it wasn't passing it on. It wasn't passing on. It, it, interesting little trick if you have your power go out on. Part well, you of just the wall. made it parallel instead. You well, kind of. Not really. It's not really parallel. It is parallel. There, instead of running through the plug. The plug sit just is kind of attached to the wires. It yeah, but off. usually when I think of parallel, it, it continues on. and it, Yeah, okay, it's parallel. It is, it is parallel. Yeah, it is parallel. As opposed to being in series. Right. Um, but, you know, the plug just passed it on anyway, but you don't rely on the plug, which right. can go bad. Which is the, the yeah. And, so, and they do go bad. So <laughs> Yeah, they do. Sorry, a digression again, but this is if your house is, you got plug problems, that's where I would look. So we're almost <laughs> an hour into this. I don't want to go an hour and a half, but... Right. One of the topics that we were going to talk about was you found the best Windows machine ever. I please, did find Please best. explain. So um, people who've heard me before on these on your podcasts and read, I, 
I use both Mac and Windows. I'm on a I'm on a MacBook Pro right now. Um, but I also need to run Windows, and I had a great big Acer desktop machine. I really liked it. It was great, um, and it started giving me fits, and it was also using a lot of power, right? It's, it had a huge power supply and a bunch of disks. Well, I had an old MacBook Pro 15. Oh, that's probably 2012. And I looked at the processor in, the, in that device, and it had the same processor as my Acer, uh, and it had the same amount of memory. And so I took my that MacBook Pro, which was not being used at the time. I like a smaller machine. I I would carry that occasionally, but I don't like carrying a 15 or a 17. They're mm-hmm. just too big. So I I boot camped it in, back into Windows 7. I put an SSD in it, so it boots you know really in fast. 12 seconds. Uh, it doesn't take long. Even Windows comes up incredibly fast. Sure, it's really amazing how fast. Um, then I had three other drives inside. They were all 500 gigabytes, 500 to a terabyte. And I got one more SSD, a terabyte SSD, on an external USB. And I put put all the drives on there. And now I have a Windows machine. I think it was Mossberg, who writes for the Chronicle, said the best Windows machine he ever bought was a MacBook Pro. And now I understand why he said that. It's amazingly – I have actually two of them running. My old, old MacBook Pro is running an XP machine when I need to do a testing on that. My Acer used to crash once a week. This well, thing has crashed since I've, since I've started. Yeah, it's been I, running now over a month. I, I've known for a long time that Macs actually do make some of the best PCs out there. And I haven't had any compatibility issues. The amazing part is it just worked. Um, Where you did download the, the Apple drivers for – windows for that mac so it's going to control the fan speed yeah i did have a boot camp issue it for a while uh and there's a there, there's a it wouldn't update the boot camp software on the windows side so you i still leave it in dual boot mode right so i boot back into mac i do the update of all the boot camp and i boot, boot mac and, and i can put it back to a mac i left a small you know um bare bones 100 gigabyte, 100 gigabyte partition for for mac os yeah on there so I can switch back if I need to because occasionally I find a disk I want to look at. I have one of those, for, I bought it from OWC, one of those things you drop the disk drive into, you know, on the desktop. Yep. Takes a bare drive. Um, and sometimes it's a Mac it's a Mac drive and so, I'll, okay, reboot it. But it's, um, this is going to sound weird, I, I haven't wanted to buy new hardware for a while. The Mac I'm on right now I'm with is, you. Is, um, let's see, what does it say? Uh, where does it tell me that it said 13 inch mid 2012. Yep. MacBook Pro. Okay, so it was one of the last ones with the. Oh yeah, by the way, that 15 has a, a DVD burner in it, and with the Windows software I'm using for it, it burns about twice as fast as it did when I had it as a Mac. Well, Macs do a lot. I when it comes to handling external media, I don't know why the Mac just if you've Not had so a good. yeah. If for instance, I've got my media library as an external drive, and it's in one of those same things you were talking about from OWC. Um, I just, I fire up iTunes, well, not so much iTunes anymore, to be honest, Plex. And I hit to play a movie. We need to share Plex logins. I can, I have. We did that before. I, I, for, um, I don't think I gave you mine. I got, I got to give you mine as well. I have a Plex Pass account, so I can. Yeah, uh, so do I. So I can get, share you the, my library. But anyway, go ahead. Which is running, by the way, on that MacBook Pro. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> well, mine's running on my 21 inch iMac. Um, What was I talking about? Media, external media. Oh yeah, yeah. 
you hit play and the Mac goes, oh, yeah, I guess I should fire up that hard drive. Let me spin it up here. Give me like 12 seconds so I can fire it up. Windows doesn't seem to have that problem. It just, boom, it just starts playing. Windows well, handles so it a lot better. You set Windows to do the same thing, to sleep your drives when you're not right. using But uh, I don't have that I, setting on the Mac SSDs, at all. Now that they're SSDs, I've turned that off. Yeah. Right? I don't really need to sleep the drive. It's, uh, But um, I'm blown away at how well it works. I'm not. Uh, and I'm not surprised I mean, what, that you don't have the passion to go out and get new Apple hardware because a, a running commentary on this show two, three months ago was my uh, my 15-inch MacBook Pro died, and okay. I needed to replace it. And I did a lot of research, and on, honestly, for the price and performance, I bought a used Mac, a uh, mid-2015, or 2012, no, I'm sorry, um, a 21-and-a-half-inch late 2012 yeah. iMac. I, I5, well, 2.9 gigahertz. It's faster than the 21-inch iMacs they sell, and it was half the cost. That's the problem I have. So this MacBook Pro, mid-2012, is a 2.9 gigahertz i7. Yeah. With 8 gigabytes of memory in it. Yeah. Uh, and I put an S- a 1 terabyte SSD into it. It's just as fast as the current Macs. It just doesn't have as many cores. And But does, let's it, be honest. Yeah, it, it, that's right. This is a 4-core where the other ones are 8-cores right. now. But let's be right. honest. No one's... Very few programs take advantage of multiple cores, anyways. So my wife has the MacBook Pro from two year a year ago, the one where there's no CD drive or DVD right. drive, in, and it was the top of the line. And I did a spec mark on each of them, and my my machine beats hers. Yeah, and I'm not surprised. Like, Come on, that what is going on here? I know I, it's know, very frustrating. I want to buy a new machine at some point. Yeah, I, this 2012 machine. It beats anything I've, you know, I haven't tried the new one with the, the little bar on it, which, um, as it's I not call any it, faster. Adap- the, adapt- the adapter Mac. It, for all it, practical purposes, it's really not <laughs> any faster than what you've got right now. Maybe and, and I think that's the problem. Maybe a little bit better. Yeah, right? maybe. So, so this has an Intel graphics, HD graphics 4000, which is fine. It's not, I'm not going to play high-end games on it. And I don't play high-end games on my macbook pro running the P, the windows 7 right I i've got windows the 7, uh, nvidia gt 650m which yeah, is 512 meg. better graphics yeah. i will say the newer one, but even the newer ones are intel intel graphics now yep um it's hard to get an nvidia card inside yep. but i i looked at the new one because i thought oh I, this bar could be cool i the bar you know it's a math thing for me but what really bugged me about the new machine was they took off the SD slot. Well, I use this for photography all the time, yep. so I have to buy an adapter. And they took off the USB ports, and I have a number of external devices, including this guy, uh, so I have to buy an adapter. And, uh, I mean, I have all this stuff I want to plug in. I'd have to buy $200 worth of adapters to plug all the damn stuff in. And I, I know Apple's trying to be really cool with, what do they call them? Are they lightning ports? Whatever they're called. USB-C. USB-C. I, okay, and I trip over my cord... It seems like once a day. But like, you can, you can like our sponsor, for instance, has a USB-C dock that has every port that you want on it. So it's only one, that. but it's it's a couple hundred bucks. Uh, or a couple hundred bucks. And then I found a company that makes a USB-C magnetic clip. Yeah, I've seen so, that too. That looks kind of neat. It looks kind of neat, but it breaks. Okay, so but why do I need to spend another $300 on accessories and adapters? And I like the OWC port 
replicator piece, but I carry this with me. Right. So when I'm carrying it with me now, now I'm going to have to carry a bunch of adapters. Yep. Because when I go someplace, I need USB. Because oh, Apple's marketing is trying to figure out how to continue to sell Macs, and addition through subtraction seems to be yeah, the method. I'm sorry, Apple. I think it has to be thinner. It has to be thinner, 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 thinner. Yeah, but what no, about this? No, we don't care. Thinner, thinner, thinner. No, it doesn't. Yeah, well, well, wait a minute, Apple. What about this cool magnetic power kit? No, no, no. We don't care. Thinner, <laughs> thinner, thinner. Have you? Did you remember? I remember in my in my old MacBook days pulling the damn computer off the table. I came I, close a few times. I had I, mean, a, I had a uh, Lombard PowerBook G3 that was if I would have been a little yeah well it, yeah with the Sorry. kind of the goldish looking keyboard right yeah. Um, it, it wasn't as good as the wall street, but the wall street came out a year later. So I always wanted the wall street, but I had the Lombard. I still have it in a box somewhere and I'm just going to end up getting rid of it. Um, wh why, they, they why change them on it? eBay. People buy them. Oh, they I know. I know. I'm going to toss out a lot of stuff, but I'll, I'll sell, uh, at least I'll post, see if anybody wants it. If they don't, then I'm just going to well, I'll give you, recycle uh, I'll it. give I'll send you an email, Alex's contact. No, but if you go to Alex's Apple Orchard on just Google search it, he might want some of that stuff. So. Yeah, I have I I they're it's buried. It's going to be a summer I know. project. If you find it, you know. Yeah. Oh, I know. I I, I kind of know where it is. The only one that I don't think I'll get rid of is the iAtari Mac. iAtari Mac, I remember that. Yeah. Took it a, <laughs> took an Atari twenty six hundred and turned it into a uh, basically it's a Mac. I kept my two FX I only would too. because only because it has uh, I have an AUX the Apple Unix installation on it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, somehow I just, I love that old Unix machine running, running Mac OS. That's, I digress. Sorry. But with that, I think we're going to wrap up this episode of tech fan. Owen and I can literally go another hour without blinking an eye. It's real easy for us to do that, which is a good thing. I think, don't you? I was going to say we could geek out, but we're teching out. Yeah. Teching <laughs> out. Well, we're broadening. David and I have been broadening the show. I mean, the reason I didn't go back to the MyMac podcast when I left OWC Radio, number one, I had turned it over to Guy and Gaz, and they were doing a good job, and I didn't want to go, oh, I'm back now, and disrupt I do like it. listening to them. I, think I they do, too. Do there. And so, I, but I also didn't want to do a strictly Mac or Apple show, because honestly, it, it's too boring for me. My my interests were way more than just that. I don't want to say boring, restrictive. It was too restrictive for what I well, wanted I mean, to do. I don't know what you carry. I. But in my pocket, I have my iPod Touch occasionally, and that's where my music is. I have my Android, Sony Android phone, and I hate to admit how much I am actually enjoying Android. I'm sorry, Apple guys, but I beat it to death. Don't don't years. apologize for tools Until that work for you. Until I actually started carrying one. I don't begrudge anybody for what they – if it works for them. The only time it bothers me is if they use it out of ignorance because they don't know what else is out there. I don't think that's your problem. No, no, I – I worked for the guy, one of the guys who invented Android, and he gave me a phone to try. And he said, "You'll, I think you'll like it now. It's not, you know, Android has grown up, and it's, it has. It's, it's so close. I mean, some things are the same, but there are things that just work in Android that you can't do on iOS because iOS is so well protected. That's the positive side. iOS is so well protected. The negative side is it's so well protected. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I carry a lot of different things. So I'm with you. I get 
just Apple stuff is I'm not just Apple anymore. Although no. all my Windows stuff is back to Apple, which I think is kind of cool. So. Well, Apple hardware, anyways. <laughs> yeah, Apple hardware. Uh, I mean, for me, I I still have my iPhone six plus, uh, and I wear an Apple Watch. That's about the only tech that goes with me. Any. I have the LG uh, Android Round Watch, which mm-hmm. I. I I wish Apple would do a round watch. I love a watch that looks like a watch. Okay, when I flip it over, I have, can have classic round face watches on it. Uh, it's not. It's. I don't think the software is quite as good on their watch yet. No, it's as not. The Apple Watch. It's, it's not, not even close. It's not. It's just not there yet. And, and honestly, Android Wear is about dead at this point. It's when it comes to smart watches, it's all about the Apple Watch. Everybody yeah, else is Apple already is in, and also ran. But I want a round one. Yep. I, I love the round face of this watch. So, like I said, um, David, I think we'll be back next week. We'll have Owen back on real soon. Hopefully, Shout talk out about to David. the. I'm sorry, I missed him. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think it'd be fun to have you on the uh, the Marvel one. Give you a heads up and maybe oh, get all caught up on some Marvel movies and look at the IMDb stuff on it, just to kind of refresh your memory and then kind of geek out for a while. Because I think, quite honestly, it's the one franchise in movies right now with a possible exception of Star Wars, which is also owned by Disney, uh, that just seems to get it right every single time. But to be fair to uh, Star Wars, they've only had two movies since the acquisition. So can't really compare it, and they're both phenomenal How hits. Been? How long ago did they acquire it? Uh, five years ago? Four years ago? Four years ago. And the funny part was we did the... Uh, is part of the Stoplight Network, which is now the MyMac Podcasting Network. Uh, we had that one week where we all switched shows. Somebody does. And David and I had Geekiest Show Ever, and that was the week that Lucasfilm was bought out by Disney. So, of course. I know that. <laughs> yeah. It was like, oh, my God, we couldn't have timed this better. And are you um, going to talk about Batman Lego? <laughs> I'm, I'm supposed to go see it. My son wants to go see it tonight. I don't know if it's going to be tonight or maybe Sunday. I, please tell me. Please, please talk about it. I I, I see the ads and I don't know if I want to laugh or just run down and see it. It just David David texted me last week, no, the week before because it's been out for two weeks now, which is good. That means the movie theater won't be packed when I take Cole. Right. Um, he said, "Lego Batman, second best DC movie ever." Really? Yeah. Okay. So I'm like, oh, I gotta go see it now because it's he was it, the highlight. Like- Batman was the highlight of the Lego movie. Yeah. Oh, I know. I. I, I'm done. Will Arnett is awesome. It's playing now. We have a theater near us in a very wealthy neighborhood. And uh, the first time I went to this theater, you know, it looks like your typical miniplex, right? And the guy says, well, there's 27 seats in this theater. What? <laughs> so, and you have to reserve your seat. Okay. So we go into this and it has these huge, big recliners that recline almost fully. And there's, you know, you can you could put four people between you and the row behind you because you both have to recline. Uh, so we go see that, and it's not any more expensive than a regular movie theater. Hmm. So that's where I'm going to go see it. It's I wish I could oh, tell you the here, name. Here's of, uh, a, here's something for you to watch. If you like Will Arnett, there's a, he did a, a Netflix series, and we do have to wrap this up. But he did a, a Netflix series called Flight. They didn't get much attention. Go find it, watch it. You'll love it. Okay. Flight. All right, with that, we're going to wrap it up. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.